Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors Podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement. We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to oneconnectionaway.com. That's oneconnectionaway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. oneconnectionaway.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Kingdom Real Estate Investor Podcast. This is the show where we're really committed to telling the stories of uh, faith-driven, kingdom-minded real estate investors, entrepreneurs, uh, to show that Christ is King and real estate is a great vehicle uh, to really advance his kingdom. And we have a fantastic guest on today. This guy is probably growing one of the fastest uh, real estate agencies in the country based in Florida. He's going to tell us all about why he decided to move from New Jersey down to Florida. I don't know. It doesn't, not a hard guess for me, but I, I can, <laughs> I can see why. And, uh, he's all over social media. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with my friend, Louis Leva. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Alice. I appreciate you having me on today, brother. Thank you. Yeah. So CEO of culture estate, I think your bio is old, man. It says based in New Jersey, but from the photos I'm seeing, you're not in New Jersey anymore. Yeah, well, we were based out of New Jersey, and a lot of my team is still in New Jersey, so it's a quasi thing now. We're we're, we're all over the map, but yeah, we're I'm mostly spending my days now in Naples, Florida. Thank you know, thank God for that. It's always been a dream of mine to get out of the, the chilly weather and gloomy days of uh, New Jersey, and uh, somehow find my way down to Florida. So after the the pandemic, that was kind of an opportunity that I saw. And yeah. I took it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Why not? Yeah. Hey, well, we're going to jump into a lot today. I mean, there's a lot about your story that's really intriguing. You know, yeah, you're, 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 you're inspiring others. You're growing a, a, a fast growing company. Uh, you're really kind of building a brand around your company, which I think can be super helpful. And you're kind of creating a story and an atmosphere around that. And then I know faith is a massive part of what you do as well. And so sure. uh, a lot to look forward to this conversation. But if you don't mind, man, let me just pray for us and we'll jump yeah, in. Absolutely. Let's do it. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, just today, uh, just for your grace to us, that your new mercies are for us every single morning. And so pray that uh, Lewis's story would just be inspiring to us. It would help us wherever we're at today in our business and life to see God that you want to participate with us in the small things and the big things, and that we would invite you in to do that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So why do you do what you do, man? I mean, let's talk, you know, actually, I really haven't interviewed a ton of people on the agency side, but yeah. I think what's cool is you're, you know, you're not just real estate agent, you're a business owner, you're a real estate entrepreneur, you're doing a lot of things. 
what got you into this? Talk, tell us a little bit about your story. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, you know, before I get started, everything I say here, none of this is to, you know, glorify myself. This is just a testament of what God could do and someone who is relentless, someone who meets God halfway. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when I first, uh, my, my parents came to this country when I was four years old. And, um, you know, for us, we really didn't see home ownership even as a possibility. We just rented apartments from from actually, uh, it seemed like year to year. Every year we're in a new apartment. But actually, my story started in, in your state. I, we actually moved to California first when we first got to the United States. And back in the 80s, a lot of people don't know this, but you could discriminate if uh, if a family had a child. So back then we couldn't even get an apartment like we couldn't even get someone to, we were living with friends and we couldn't even get someone to rent to us because of me so being the fact that you know my parents don't like to impose on anyone we ended up getting an apartment in the roughest of neighborhoods ever i don't even know it might have been south central god knows i don't i was so young i can't recall but what i do remember is that my brother at the time was about 18 years old and um i was maybe he was a little younger maybe he was 17 and, and my dad um, and him had went to go work that day. And after they came home from work, we're having dinner in this um, apartment in like, I think it had to be a housing complex, man. I just, I, I could barely remember it, but I remember this, get a knock on the door and the police raided our apartment and took my brother and my dad outside at gunpoint. And I'm watching this whole thing through the window and I'm thinking I'm going to lose my mom. I'm, I'm going to lose my dad and my brother. And after that, it ended up being that there were a lot of drug activity in the area and there was, you know, gang stuff going on. So they uh, mistook our apartment for the wrong apartment. So thank God, you know, we were able to you know, get, get out of that. But my family said, you know what, this is this is not going to work for us. So we ended up migrating from California all the way to New Jersey because my other brother and sister had initially uh, built roots in New Jersey. So we went from sunny California to gloomy New Jersey. And uh, I spent about 35 years in New Jersey. So as you can, as you can tell, they, I, I, I did find a home there for myself. Uh, and, and for us, it was rough. You know, like any a family who migrates from another country, you know, you begin very humble. And I, and I think it builds character. And we didn't really know what home ownership felt like there. And, you know, we just kept, you know, moving and moving and moving. And then I would see, I would see homeowners. I would see people who own homes. It's almost kind of like people who were wealthy, rich, you know, people who are just, a higher class. And I would see real estate agents as being almost like superheroes. And I said, you know, I want to be one of those people who, who actually does what, what, um, what they do for a living is just help people. Like they help people find homes and they get paid for it. And I thought, you know, that would be so awesome if one day I could be in real estate and I can buy a house and fix it and then sell it for a profit. And this is what I'm thinking as, as like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid, right? Some kids are thinking about like being doctors or lawyers or firefighters, I'm looking, how do I flip a house when I'm seven years That's old? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it just got ingrained into me. And one of my older brothers, I have two older brothers and two older sisters, but one of my older brothers ended up, well, both of my older brothers ended up getting into construction. So uh, one of them ended up opening a construction company and he would go and work in some of the very nice affluent areas in New Jersey. And uh, on my summer vacations, I used to go with him to uh, do some brickwork and, and masonry work because that's the kind of construction he was into. And I said, wow, you know, how is it possible that these people can live in these homes? You know, they're so nice. And back then there were 
there were probably like four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar homes, but you know that was a lot of money. That's like a million, million and a half in today's money. And I'm like, one day I'm gonna own a house in in this area or in these areas, you know. And uh, I said that that'll be my goal as I get older. So when I turned eighteen, I told my dad, take me to take me to um, a real estate agent and see if I can get a home. And at eighteen, I was barely out of I was barely out of high school, and I'm just an adult. And my dad took me to a to a, uh, a real estate agent friend of his. And she said, how is he going to get uh, a house? He doesn't even have any reported income. Because uh, uh, as, a, as a kid, I used to cut hair. And that was like my talent when I was young. So I used to cut hair and I used to save everything. So I had the money for the down payment, but I didn't have, you know, obviously the credit built up or, or the income because everything was cash. All your friends are paying you in cash. So I said, I'm going to find a way. So after a couple of years went by, um, we ended up figuring out a way we um, refinanced a house that we finally bought in 1998. We refinanced it a couple of years after that. We pulled some money out and then we bought our first investment property. It was a four family house right down the block from where we owned our house, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that was uh, my first introduction to real estate investing. And it was uh, not an easy one. I'll tell you this much, because even though, um, you know, we bought it right before the, the bubble. So we bought it in like 2006, 2007, or maybe a little earlier, maybe 2005, 2006. Um, we we bought it at a, at a decent price. I think we paid like 300 grand for it at the time, 350. Uh, but the lesson that I learned there was number one, uh, renovations. You know, I didn't know anything about renovations, what they cost. And number two, I learned how to be a landlord or how not to be a landlord actually, because I had no clue what I was doing. So I would literally just rent apartments to anybody who would show up. And one of my tenants taught me a valuable lesson that you got to screen people before you let them in. Because from day one, the tenants started selling drugs from the apartment. They had pit bulls in the apartment and it got so bad that I had to evict them. And when they finally left, they tried to take the washer and dryer with them. That wasn't even theirs. It was part of the property. It was so bad. But I I learned, you know, our mistakes are that just learning lessons, right? I learned and um, I I said to my dad, you know what, maybe we got into it a little bit more than what we expected, you know. Maybe we should think about selling this thing after like only a year of owning it. So, and, uh, you know, and just how good God is, you know, and to our benefit, the house improved, it went up in value like $100,000. So I said, we can get a hundred grand more for it. And we did. So we took that money and we rolled it over. We rolled it over into another property. And we um, basically that one, we got a little more involved. We did more like a ground up construction from uh, old, old, old property we rehabbed. And that property ended up, that property ended up um, being a very, very nice single family home. And uh, we decided to actually move into the property because it was, it was so nice. And that was right around 2007, 2008. And then the market crashed. And me uh, as a, as a real estate investor, I also decided that it would have been a good idea for myself to get into real estate because I was getting the hang of things. I said, you know what, I'm going to stop cutting here and I'm going to get into real estate. So I did, I got into real estate and I did exceptionally well my second year. But my first year, I didn't make any money at all. But my second year, I started making money and everything was great. From an agency then, standpoint, you're talking about from selling, selling, listing, selling homes? Yeah, absolutely. So I started doing really well my second year. The first year was all about learning, all about just, you know, figuring things out. So second year, I started doing really well. And then, you, as you know, 2008 happened. So I went from closing a bunch of deals and doing really well for myself to closing nothing. You know, that's, you know, if people were around back then, that's kind of how it was. So long story short, uh, I, I learned humility. That's what I learned throughout that, uh, throughout that time. Uh, lost that house. Uh, I lost a condo I bought in Miami. Uh, I lost 
everything. Basically, the only thing I didn't lose were the things that I learned along the way. And I went back to the basics and I really just got, you know, really down to the nitty gritty. And like, what is it that I want for? Because before 2008, let's be honest, anybody could have made money in the business. You just needed to be in it long enough to make money. You really didn't have a skill set. You know, you didn't need a skill set. But after 2008, you really had to actually, you know, be good at sales. Like you need to like figure out, okay, what are sales about? How can I add value? How can I uh, find properties that are below value and, and, and bring them to my investors? How can I get myself into some of these deals? So I went from being an investor and having money to having nothing and starting off with just my, my license, basically, right? So I figured a, a strategy out where I said, you know, instead of me crying about the market, instead of me listening to the news and see how bad it is, you know, me preparing for the end of the world, because you guys remember that, that was kind of like a thing back then that the world is going to, the dollar is going to collapse and all that. Instead of doing all that, why don't I just look for opportunities? So I started looking for investors that were making money. And I was thinking to myself, how can I add value to them? How can I align myself with their needs so I can bring them value? And at the same time, I can become uh, of value myself. I can make some money on my own. So what I ended up doing was I started asking these investors, what is it that you need? Like, what, what can I bring to you? They're like, oh, you know, I have these couple properties. I, you know, if, if you get me a buyer before I'm done, that would save me some time of marketing it on the market once it's finished. So I did. I, I ended up getting buyers for a bunch of investors. And when, when you're able to do that, it, it, it really kind of allows you to dictate how much your commission is going to be. Because if you're going to save the investor money, you can get a six, seven, eight percent commission. It doesn't matter what your commission is, as long as he gets his numbers. So I was able to do a couple of deals like that with a few investors and started saving money again. And then I got back into investing on my own. I brought my I brought my dad into investing on I think like my second or third transaction because he had saved a couple of dollars as well. Uh, and within the next two or three transactions, we had made so much money back because we were got you know we we're just we we're blessed that we we did like a hundred plus on like three houses straight. And I was able to retire my debt. I was able to go ahead and start focusing more on uh, investing myself and then get back into sales because I started learning a new skill set for myself, which was working with distressed inventory and working with investors. And that just opened up, it opened up the world for me. You know, after that, I just started getting really good at, at, at the things I was doing day to day, started educating other people. I, I started my first brokerage in 2004. And 15, I think it was in 2015, uh, with a partner and uh, didn't work out after a couple of years, we worked together and I found out quickly that the best way to really start a real estate brokerage is, is, is on your own, you know, you gotta have to because you have ideas, your partners have different ideas, it's better just to kind of do things on your own. So I, I learned a, a lot of valuable lessons with that. And then finally, I opened up my own brokerage in 2016 is when I opened up a culture estate. That's when I did that. So my first brokerage had to be in 2013. I think that's when it was. So in 2016, I opened up Culture with two agents and myself. And that's basically where we started. And, and um, it was going to be really rough because I wasn't really planning to open up a brokerage. It was kind of like I had to open up a brokerage because I had gotten into a, we had separated our businesses, my partner and I. So he's kind of like, hey, listen, you know, we got to do a thing separately. He bought out my end of the business, supposedly what, you know, the business was worth. So he gave me 20 grand. And at that time, 20 grand was was um, a lot of the majority of the money I had left over because I had just got done and uh, dumping a ton of money into um, a, a property that I bought for my family and myself. And I was pouring every dollar I had into building this house for you know my, my kids and, and my wife. And 
it's it just, uh, I was going from, from closing to closing, trying to make sure that, you know, that I was doing that. Cause I wanted to do it all out of pocket. I didn't want to finance all this stuff. And I was left with the 20 grand my partner gave me. So I gave the 20 grand to my operations manager. And I said, look, here's 20,000, make this last and take care of everything. We got to take care of here at our new office that we opened in 2016. And I'm going to go visit my parents in Guatemala for a month. And, and I'll be back after a month because I need to charge my battery because for the next few years, I'm not going to stop. I'm literally going to work around the clock. So I went to see my parents and uh, it was a time of reflection for me. I read about three books on business, a lot of great books on business on how to really take your business to the next level. Came back a changed man and uh, battery fully charged. And we went from two agents to 100 agents in two years, became one of the fastest growing brokerages in the, uh, in the state. And uh, it, it's been, it's been a, a humongous blessing. And I, I credit all that to just you know, God's grace and allowing me to go from learning lesson to learning lesson. And uh, fast forward to 2019, we um, had continuously kept hitting this peak. We kept hitting this ceiling where we couldn't cross over 100 agents. It was just like, we get to 100 and we lose some. We get to 100 and we lose some. It was just like, it was very tough. So I, I knew that my model was broken. So I had to find a way for me to not only just attract agents, but to keep agents. Why does a retention model then? that we can build out. So I started thinking about different options and ultimately settled on partnering with uh, EXP Realty, which uh, took me to the next leg of my journey, which I am on now. And EXP Realty, what if people out there don't know uh, what they are or, or, or what, they, um, what they offer, is they offered me to take my brokerage and leverage it, not only locally, but internationally, and obviously across all 50 states in the US. What it does is it allows you to now expand your brokerage and expand your agent base across boundary lines or across state lines without having to be licensed there, without having to have a brick and mortar office there, without having to coach or train these agents or do any of the legalities, liability issues, none of that, all the stuff that brokers kind of suffer with in the background. So we did that and we went from 100 agents to now 200 plus agents um, just two years later, even through uh, obviously the the pandemic that we went through, we experienced growth, and uh, it's been the, it's been the biggest blessing because not only, obviously, do we have uh, you know financial freedom, you can get that in a multitude of ways, but a lot of people who who achieve financial uh, freedom, they don't have time freedom, and they don't have location freedom, and because of this union that we created, I was able to step back and not wear so many hats and do the things that brokers have to do on a day to day basis, which now allowed me to now. Uh, mentor my agents more and also grow the organization more um, with having all that extra time. But not only that, but the most important thing is there were days and, 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 and sometimes, you know, two, three days in a row where I wouldn't even be able to see my, my two daughters. I had two little girls because, you know, working as an entrepreneur, you've got 14 hour days, 16 hour days, you know, you work weekends, you know, there was really no time for me to really stop and, and enjoy what I was working for. But, you know, now that I've kind of like relocated myself and taken myself out of the equation and allowed uh, my, my partnership to really kind of go out there and do the heavy lifting for me, it's allowed me to get my life back. So now the lessons I'm learning today are, are kind of like, how do you find balance in, in business? How do, you, how do you still make money, be productive and grow your business while still making time for the important things? So that's kind of where I am right now. It's the season of my life that I'm in is that uh, I like to be more of um, the visionary that, that pushes the the business and not so much the operator that's stuck in the business. So I think Tony Robbins speaks a lot about that. And some of you might be familiar with those things, but it's really now, now is a game changer because now 
if we if I can if I can do that and I can allow others uh, to really build the business with me, not for me, they're no longer going to be working, you know, as an agent. But now I consider all my agents a, a partner. So now that I'm building up my partners, our organization is growing tremendously, and we see ourselves getting to a thousand agents uh, within the next two years easily. You know, that's the trajectory that we're on now. So God is good, and that's uh, that's been my journey so far. And as far as the investing goes, I've never stopped. We've uh, had partnerships with auction.com. We've had partnerships with uh, a lot of other educational platforms for us to be able to teach others what we've learned along the way. We've had, we've had um, uh, all types of programs that we developed specifically for investors that we ran in, um, in, in New Jersey. And obviously those things kind of came to a pause, you know, after the, the pandemic uh, triggered that moratorium that, you know, we're kind of seeing the tail end of now. So I see a lot of more opportunities coming around for investors and and for people who want to get into the space. So yeah, I'm excited about that. So that's kind of my story. I, mean, I know I took a little bit of a time yeah. on that. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, let me show you this, man, because your your company is called you know Culture. Uh, well, the name Culture is in your yeah. your business there. I mean, you talk about going to 100 your stop. Now you're building over 200. I mean, what have you found like as a leader? Clearly, you're charging the way forward. But how have you continued to be able to kind of build that culture or keep that culture. I think with any growing business, right? Like that's the, I mean, especially as you're growing across state lines now, that's something I'd be curious about. Like, yeah, how did you keep that culture when you kind of hit that, that thresh point? Sure. Great question. So I'm going to revert this back to a a Christian metaphor. So uh, when Jesus walked around, he was one person and he uh, educated 12 disciples, you know, uh, to, to carry on his word. And he had to, he had to entrust those 12 disciples to one day create the millions of Christians that we have today, right? Or maybe billion, maybe even closer to a, you know, a billion, who knows? Uh, but you, you have to, you have to be able to trust your, your, your leaders to be able to go out there and replicate what you create. If you can't do that, then you'll never grow an organization. If the organization continuously needs you to carry on the culture, the message, if you don't, if you don't set the right principles and the right standards, obviously they're not going to either. So if you lead by example, you will flush out the people who you don't want in your in your company, the, the cancers or the people who are just looking for trouble, and you attract the right people. And when you have the right people and you pour into them without any reservation, you can create really great uh, entrepreneurs and leaders and, and people who can run the organization probably even better than you can. But you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to pour into them. Uh, so we've done that. And when we have these great leaders, then they create great leaders and then they create great leaders. And, you know, that's just the way that uh, the, the company really uh, has flourished, you know, because before we create great leaders, they'd get a better opportunity somewhere else and then they'd leave the organization. But with the new model that we have now, our leaders, are, well, our, our, our talent is what I, uh, I like to call them and, and our business partners, they actually own the company. That's what the game changer is now is that we own the company together. It's not just Lewis's company. We all own it. We all have stock. We all have shares in the company, which just over the last five years alone for a, a, a good producing agent, that stock is uh, well north of a million dollars just over the last five years for someone who has been uh, producing at an average level. Someone who closes three deals a month, they have over 1.2 million in stock uh, just from the last five years appreciation. So that is the reason why agents now are sticking around and we're able to grow like we are because instead of working for a company, they're working for themselves. They're working for their own company, and it gives them that different, that different um, how a mindset of kind of like renting versus owning. Like you know how you do when you own a house and, or rent an apartment. It's a different feeling. Yeah. 
So now that this is how we've been able to really uh, scale that and keep the culture and keep the right people. I love that. You've done a ton, man, on branding. You know, you talk about building a story kind of around what you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's, I feel like that's so essential in today's environment, right? Like if you're going to continue to build something big and build a culture, like you got to learn to tell your message online and, and you've done a phenomenal job of that. I mean, what, where did you learn that? Right. And, 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 and what are you learning right now about continuing to kind of tell, tell your message online? Yeah. So, so that's a great question. And thank you for asking. I got a lot of people I'm sure struggle with this because we all, we all get in our own way. We get in our heads and then we don't do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you tell your story online, you're, you're always going to think to yourself, oh, what is someone going to think? Or are they going to think that I'm bragging? Or are they going to think that I'm a loser or whatever you think? Right. So I was no exception. When I, when I first picked up the, the camera, which was my cell phone, right? <laughs> that was basically it. I didn't have a fancy camera or anything like that. And I just wanted to tell a message. I just wanted to tell people what I knew. And, you know, but it took me so many attempts to actually build up the, the courage to do that because I'm naturally an introverted person. You know, I had to come out of my shell to be a leader, but I'm naturally by nature, if I had my choice, I would just stay in, in, in a house by myself and live my days. But that's not how we... Um, that's not how we we're highest and best use. So I've learned that with telling my story, uh, you will get a lot of people who are going to uh, resonate with you and you're going to help motivate them, inspire them, change their lives. And then, yeah, you're going to have a one or two haters. That's okay. You know, and, and with, with that, you know, you got to understand that these people don't hate you. They hate themselves, you know, and it just comes out in a way where they try to knock other people down. So as long as you can understand that the reason why you're creating your brand and you're teaching people and you're educating people about your journey and, and you're, you're letting them know, hey, guys, this is what I found works. This is what doesn't work. And you create um, a brand around helping people and around positivity. It's going to come back to you a hundredfold. You know, that's how we were able to grow from two agents to 100 because we told our story. You know, one thing that I knew that we could do better than the big guys was be nimble enough to pivot into social while they were trying to figure out what they could and couldn't talk about without getting in trouble. We were telling a story about how we were creating this new brand. You know, when we first built our office and you know how the renovations were coming out, when we first got our business cards, when we first got our signs, new agents, we were getting in, we would have this thing called every Monday morning, we would have this thing called the Monday morning mastermind. And a requirement for every Monday morning was that our, one of our agents would always have to come and kind of tell their story. And they're kind of the, where they came from, you know, why they're in real estate, what their goals are, you know, a little bit about themselves. And I will tell you, it was just about every other person they got up on there. First of all, everybody was nervous, right? So that's one thing. I, I purposely always make everyone nervous. And that's good because, you know, you have to get out of that. But almost every other agent that came up there would literally break down in tears because they're telling their story. And a lot of times they say things that are emotional to them, myself included, I almost broke down when I gave my story, but the, I was recording this stuff and I'm putting it out there on, on, on Facebook, on YouTube and other real estate agents are like, what is this? Like, I want to be a part of that, you know? So as you're creating this culture, like uh, the name of my company, you got to build it around other people. You can't just build it around yourself. You got to tell a story of what you're doing. And as long as you can understand that the reason why you're turning on that camera is to serve a greater good you then you'll then you'll find it easier to get over yourself and get over your insecurities and, you know but as long as you're consistent with it that's really the key 
And that's so huge, man. I mean, I love what you said. Like you want to separate yourself in a saturated market, like tell stories, yeah. you know? And I mean, cause you, you can always create a blue market when you tell stories because mm -hmm. who can, who can replicate that? You know what I'm saying? Especially your yeah. own story. So I, yeah, I find that really powerful. Let me ask you just one or two more questions. You know, sure. I mean, how, how do you see your faith in God playing out? I mean, clearly you've talked about so many things that, that sound Christ-like, but I mean, like talk to me, like in, the, in terms of kind of how you see yourself as a man of faith kind of operating on a day-to-day -day where, you know, yeah. do, do you feel that way, man? Like, honestly for you, like, do you feel like, Hey, I'm really participating with God in my work? Yeah. You know I mean? Cause there's one thing of like being philanthropic and, and helping others, but and a lot of people do that, but I don't know if everyone really ties that to man. I'm really participating yeah. with God and in my faith <laughs> in that regard. How do you feel about that? So I've come to terms that with what I'm doing is my ministry. The mm. way that I lead people is my ministry because uh, you know my mother told me a long time ago when I was a young kid that she dedicated me to to God's work while I was still in her in her stomach, and I told her she was crazy. You know, I lived a while. Uh, I was in, I was in like even though my dad was a pastor, by the way, like I'm a PK. I was a bad kid. I did a lot of bad stuff, got myself in a lot of trouble. Thank God, you know, that I never, you know, was, you know, seriously injured or, or ended up in jail or anything like that. But um, I, I, I learned at a, at a very early age that, you know, God is a real thing, you know, and if it wasn't for him, I probably would have been gone a long time ago. And I'm here for a purpose. So when I got into leadership, uh, I, I closed out every single one of my masterminds every single one of my monday masterminds with a prayer and still to, to this day we close it all out with a prayer uh, i know that majority of my people love it some people don't even know what prayer was and remember we're doing this on on not only in person but we're doing this on, on online we get thousands of views you know and and uh, that you know is really what i came to realize one day that wow my mother was correct i was like i i am <laughs> i she called, she said you're gonna be a pastor is what she was saying i'm thinking pastor i'm thinking now nah, i'm gonna be on stage at a church like, that's not my thing but then ended up becoming fascinated with public speaking fascinated with educating and doing these masterminds praying for my agents praying for their families and and um nowadays like you know i have agents that call me and just ask me for prayers like today i had a girl ask me could you pray for me because i'm you know going to a, a listing that's 1.2 million dollars and i'm very nervous so, you know, I prayed for her and I told her in the prayer, I was like, remember, God says you could do all things uh, through him. And not only that, but everything he could do, you could do more. So, you know, after giving her that reassurance, you know, she felt like a million bucks. And I feel like, you know, that's how I'm using the gifts that God has given me to build his kingdom through the guise of a real estate brokerage. <laughs> yeah, I love I that, tell. man. Like we can okay. pastor wherever. And I, you know, I asked the question, we had our mastermind event out here just this weekend. And I asked that, it's funny you say that because I asked the question, you know, and, and it was more of like, of course, clearly this is not the only way to do ministry, but what if your business, I'll ask this today for everyone listening, like, what if your business was the only way in which you could do ministry? Like, what if you could only serve God through your business? How would you operate? What would you do differently? What would you do more intentionally? Yeah. You know, and I think, man, that's a, like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us just kind of overlook some of the, like, that's a great, if you interact with people, man, you're in ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like if that's your business to interact with people, you have the opportunity for ministry. So I, I, I see that, man. And I see that you probably do a fantastic job for your, for your people of kind of Thank pouring you. into and loving them. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes um, preaching to the choir is easy, right? You know, God, for some reason, God has delivered a lot of Christians, pastors, everything my way to be a part of the organization. 
but sometimes you run into the person who says, oh, no, I'm a non-believer. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I asked them, I was like, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. You must have had a bad experience with, with the church or, you know, religion or something like that, because, you know, that's usually where that comes from. And she did. She had a really bad, she said, my dad was a deacon, but he was also, you know, a, a royal POS. So, you know, and those kinds of people that we're supposed to minister to, and those are people we were supposed to talk to because they're the, they're the lost sheep, you know, they're the, they're the ones that we have to pour into because it's easy to pray for the ones who want to get prayed on, but the ones who don't know Christ and don't know salvation, you know, those are the ones that we're supposed to kind of like spend our time with. So I have been able to, you know, and bring some of those people closer and closer and closer, you know, so that it takes time. Yeah. What's next, man? I mean, what's what's your vision for, you know, you know, you, you said you're in this second second phase or you're kind of where you find yourself with EXP. I mean, yeah. what's what, what are you excited about these days? Well, I'm excited about growing the um, the organization um, internationally. We're working on Croatia, Kenya and mm. um, a couple other countries we're trying to open up. And, um, I, you know, the reason why I, I want to go wide and, 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 and deep on my organization and both, you know, not just wide, but both also deep. It is because I'm trying to I'm trying to build something that would allow me to do more of God's work. What I mean by that is that when I'm able to get to a certain point in my business, I can pretty much uh, step out completely and I can go and do stuff. I, I'd love to go to like our company, XP Realty. We're really involved in, in, um, in doing uh, charity work. We, we build homes in, um, in Mexico. Or, uh, we, we, uh, we do a lot of good stuff around the world. One of my passions or one of my, my missions is to eradicate uh, childhood slavery so i really want to build up my business to give me the the ammunition which is cash money and time you know uh, to be able to do more of that and just to be able to you know really use the gifts that god has given me and the the, the opportunity god has given me uh, to really make myself super passive through real estate that way i can go out there and, and be more hands-on well we gotta get you in some multi-family deals next man that's go, the man. that's the next level Lois, man, I've really enjoyed this. And it sounds like you're on a, you know, you live your life missionally and you're looking to do big things. If people want to be a part of that mission or follow that journey, sure. where do they go? Uh, well, it's really easy to find us. We are Culture Estate on every single platform. And if you wanted to um, connect with me, just go to our website, culture.estate, and you can submit a, a contact form and I, and I contact you within a day or two. Guys, go follow this man on YouTube. He's great in some great content. If you're down in, in Naples, Florida, make sure you look out uh, for Lewis and Culture uh, Culture Estate. So uh, appreciate having you on, man. Really enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate being here. All right, guys. See you next week.